It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, and a huge welcome to this week's episode of Gina Gardner and Friends. It's going to be a very different episode today, and I do ask that you listen throughout. I don't very often ask people to help that this is really important. It's not only important to me, but it's important to the many people that the charity Mom Plus Me helps. Why is that so important to me? Well, I'm going to share with you a little of my journey, um, having taken in a Ukrainian refugee last year, May the 21st. And the journey with Irina Omochenko, who is the refugee who came to me, and the charity that she used to support when she lived back in Ukraine before the war. Now, I know you're always being asked for help, and I know that life for many of you is difficult. But ultimately, this is a cause which is really important. It's run by a few brilliant people. There's not huge... Um, administrative groups of people doing it, but these are people who are on the ground making a difference in the most difficult of circumstances. So I want to start with my story and tell you how I come to know about this charity, because for the most part, if you're not in Ukraine, you wouldn't know anything about it. My background is that my grandfather um, was born in Kiev. He came over to England in the 1890s, escaping from the difficulties then. He was a tailor and he set up in the East End of London. Um, and he then had my mum. And so when the war in Ukraine started, I felt a strange connection. I have asked myself many times, why is it that this particular thing meant that I took action and opened my home to a Ukrainian when there are very many other brilliant causes where I was able to perhaps donate a bit of money, but like most of us, I donated the money and I got on with my life and forgot about whoever it was who was going through such trauma. But something touched me. And I heard about the war and remember the war, we've just passed the first year anniversary, that people, normal, ordinary people like you and me, going about their business, suddenly had their life turned upside down. You know I live in the UK and the UK decided that they would open their door to Ukrainian refugees if there were people who would host them, take them into their homes. And the scheme required you to agree to keep um, people with you for six months as a minimum, but for a maximum of three years. And I talked to my my family, my sister and husband who lived just a couple of doors down, and my aunt who lives next door, and said, I'm thinking of doing this, and I recognise it's going to be 
a big change in my life. I've lived on my own for, for many, many years, um, but I'm going to do it. And so I signed up for um, the UK host scheme. I have to tell you, the bureaucracy has been an absolute nightmare hours on the phone being put through to people who then say, I don't know, try this number. And then three, four hours later, getting back to the first person. There was no system for matching people in the Ukraine to people in the US. It relied upon uh, amazing groups who set themselves up to create those matches. And literally somebody would post, I've got a spare room, um, and somebody would say, I'm hoping to come uh, to the UK to flee um, the violence in the war. Um, and matches were made on Facebook. So I saw Irina um, say that she would like to come to the uh, UK. And um, I opened um, up a conversation with her. Well, I say conversation, but actually things were pretty tricky. She spoke six words of English. I spoke no Ukrainian. And so we relied upon Google Translate to uh, have a conversation via text and WhatsApp. And we had one very strange meeting on Zoom where she couldn't speak English and I couldn't speak Ukrainian. And there was a lot of sign language and lots and lots of smiling. And it was agreed that she would come to the UK. Hi, my name's Irina. I came to this country in May the 21st. I was very stressful, but I am learning English slowly. And I've made a life uh, for myself here. Any help that you can give to mom plus me would be hugely appreciated. Thank you. Then I had to start um, to get her visa. 15 hours on the phone later, um, and a whole range of traumas in terms of things not going right. And I received notification that she had permission to come to the UK. Now, Arena at this time was in a refugee sort of holding place in Bulgaria. Um, and she had to be out of there by May the 25th. We're now talking about early May and early May you know, how um, are we going to get her from uh, the from the Bulgaria to the U uh, UK? Permission came through finally on the 14th of May. This was complicated by the fact that on the 28th of May, I was going to America on holiday, a holiday that had been cancelled by the uh, because of the pandemic. And so uh, it had been reinstated. And so I knew I had to get Irina out of Bulgaria by the 25th of May, but I was going away on the 28th of May. I live in a village, the public transport's pretty grim. She spoke no English, I spoke no Ukrainian. And so I engaged a friend, my friend Hilary, and said, look, I'm going to be away for nearly three weeks. She'll have only been here a week when we get her here. Would you host her for the first uh, for those three weeks? Would you take her in? So we've got permission. And then the problem is, how do we get her here? Irina had never flown before. She was terrified of flying. And the other option was for her to cross several countries, not speaking their language. Um, and so finally, I convinced her that if I bought her plane ticket, that she would be brave enough to get on the plane. May the 21st, Hilary and I went off to um, the airport, Luton Airport in London, to pick her up. There was a huge mix-up. We were waiting by um, arrivals. Um, she was directed to a, a, a Ukrainian reception centre, but we didn't know that. So we were for two hours waiting for her by reception, and she was in the Ukrainian reception center, which was a different place, for two hours, thinking that I had not turned up, that I didn't want her. Eventually, we discovered the problem, and I found her, and 
all she could do as I gave her a big hug was to sob. To all the Ukrainians whose lives changed overnight, to the elderly who chose to stay behind and defend their country, to all the young men and women from all over the world who volunteered to help fight, to the thousands who went from being civilians to soldiers overnight, to the Ukrainian hero who decided cutting off a bridge from enemy access was worth losing his life over, to the young couple that got married only to join the resistance the next day, to all the young fathers having to say their last family goodbyes, to the leader who won the hearts of his people, his country, and the world. We stand with you. Ukrainians are fighting for their country, their freedom, and their lives. This message brought to you by the Ukrainian World Congress. Hello there. My name's Gina Gardner, and I'm the host of Gina Gardner and Friends. I know you're all incredibly busy, and I know that there's so many calls upon your purse or your wallet at the moment, but I'm here to ask for your help. Help for a charity called Mom Plus Me that are supporting children, many of whom are orphans and disabled, and families that have been dispossessed by the war in Ukraine, which has now been going on for a year. They need your help desperately. There's no electricity, and so things are incredibly difficult. So please help by making a donation to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me. That's justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom, M-O-M plus P-L-U-S me, M-E. Thanks very much. You can make such a difference. The stress of flying for the first time, the stress of coming to a new country, not knowing anybody, not knowing what life was going to be like. She didn't know me. She didn't know how life was going to be with me. She came with a suitcase and a handbag. Her whole life in those things. And I brought her home to my house where I have a spare room um, and did my best to settle her in, knowing that in a week's time, I was going to leave her, take her to a friend's house who would make her very welcome, but yet again, she'd be unsettled. Every conversation had to be done entirely through a translator. Thank goodness for phone app translators, because without that, we couldn't do anything. And the reason that I've got involved is because of Irina, who is a Ukrainian refugee who came to live with me. You've heard some of her story. But what you haven't heard is from the founder and her daughter of um, Moms Plus Me, that's Natalia and Nicoletta Zyvak. You've not heard how Irina was involved before the war. So I know you rely very heavily on volunteers. So how did Irina help you before the war? Um, I, I speak uh, Ukrainian, Russian, okay? So Irina helped us a lot, uh, informationally, I mean, uh, to give uh, the own information that was uh, on our website or which help we need and so on. So she um, also posted uh, this information on her. Yes. Um, all information, all, <laughs> always, always, every, every information, every time. Um, uh, all people who know Irina uh, know about our problems, our events, uh, our. Uh, so she involved her friends, uh, her uh like relatives and so on uh about the fund mom possibly so she yeah. um she raised awareness through social media and so on yeah. um, and she and her friends then helped you raise funds is that right yeah yes right. and uh, sometimes Irina help uh on the events and uh, special party for orphans children and for this family uh it's uh, very neat because uh, when our foundation made new events 
or uh, in as a party for children uh, we need uh, in very more people who can help uh, um, yes uh, to give children gifts to entertain them to speak with them because they really need uh, this communication with others it's so very important. Yes, it's very important, but uh, if uh, our foundation have some money, uh, but don't have people who, who can help, it's very... Uh, it be yes. Really so just to get this straight, she would do lots and lots of um, getting information out about the charity to the people she knew and through social media, but she would also come and help you at events and, and work with the children in those events. Is that right? Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. If if people ask uh, uh, which help do you need, our foundation, I always say uh, first it's money because without money uh, we can't make nothing. Yeah. And uh, and people who can help us, uh, who, volunteers, uh, volunteers who can uh, work in the foundation at twenty four in. Uh, Seven. 24-7. You need help 24-7. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Parents, did you know we all hold the key to raising confident, caring children? All we have to do is unlock the power of praise. Catching kids being good is at the heart of every parenting strategy you'll find at boystown.org slash parenting. Whether you're a parent, grandparent, or guardian of a toddler, teen, or someone in between, We've got parenting guides, articles, videos, quick tips, and even live parent talks on Facebook with Boys Town experts. So we're constantly investing in praising children and finding those opportunities. And it really helps them to have that self-affirmation and that positive thinking. And then that really reduces their negative behavior. The answer to discipline is praise. Isn't that lovely? Who would have thought it? Visit boystown.org slash praise to receive your 10 Ways to Praise magnet. It's a great reminder to catch them being good and that great parenting advice is just a click away. Very early on, we learned that the translators are not always reliable. One of the great things about it is that we've been able to laugh. And the things that have been the glue that have held us together have been the translators, good coffee, and chocolate, of which Irina is very, very fond, and laughter. There have been lots of tears along the way. It's incredibly difficult. And later in the show, I'll talk to you about how, um, how challenging it is for the relatives that she's left back there and how difficult it is when she can't get hold of those. But I just want you to imagine what it must be like to move your whole life and put your fate in the hands of a complete stranger. Somebody that you have no idea whether they're going to be kind or nasty, no idea whether they're going to help you or not. And in those early weeks, huge amounts of help were required to sign on with a doctor, to sign on with all of the government requirements so she could get a biometric card, of a three-year visa. It took over my life, you know, because I'd be hours and hours on the phone. And then I would take her and we would have to use the translator to try and translate what was going on. Half the time, I didn't have a clue. And so it was the blind leading the blind. Irina's been with me now since May the 21st and she's settled in and we've become good friends. We still have our ups and downs and at times the translator gets uh, things wrong and there are misunderstandings that make life challenging. Before Christmas, she found work in a calendar factory and she loved it, but it was five miles away, no public transport to go there unless she went into Colchester, our local town, and out of Colchester. In order to do that five miles, it would have taken her over an hour and a half by public transport. So I rearranged my day and I would take her in and she would walk part way home and I would pick her up. My life has changed. It's been challenging, but I believe it's changed for the better. And her life has changed hugely. The independence that she had when she lived back in Ukraine 
is somewhat challenged because there's one bus an hour in the beginning of the day and one bus an hour um, in late afternoon, early evening, and that's the local transport. There's nothing in the middle of the day and nothing after half past eight. Because she doesn't have much money, um, her earnings um, at the calendar factory were very little. She's limited in terms of what she's able to do. I do my best to help her. Um, and certainly we found, we've got into a rhythm of how we live. We eat together, um, we do things together when I'm not working and when she's not got other things on. And she's become a really good friend. One of the things that became evident as we started to talk very often late in the night, that she used to support a charity called Mom Plus Me. It's a charity that supports Ukrainian refugees and women and children who are escaping violence. Or at least that was their uh, that was their focus before the war. This charity has been going for 15 years and Irina used to help them in two ways. One, by raising awareness within Ukraine, using social media and talking to her friends and contacts and getting them to talk to theirs, but also by physically going and helping at events. She goes to English lessons three days a week. She's constantly doing online English lessons and her English is really coming on. Just imagine learning a new language, age 57, with a new alphabet that shows no, bears no, no resemblance to the, the, uh, the alphabet that we use. It's incredibly difficult, but she works hard to improve her English and she's doing well because part of that reason for learning English is so we can communicate but more importantly, so that she can get better quality work and have more work available to her. Her work finished before Christmas. And at the moment, the only work she has is being a chambermaid, a couple of hours, very ad hoc in a local pub. But to get there, if I don't take her, it's 4.7 miles to walk um, there and 4.7 miles to walk back. I try to take her. Very often she has to walk back, but if I have um, things that are for my work that I can't, then she has to walk both ways because there is no public transport. But she's prepared to do that because she wants to work. Now, this is not about Arena and me. This is about moms plus me. We're doing a fundraiser to help them. And We've, I've got an interview with Natalia and Nicoletta Sivak. Natalia was the founder of the charity, and Nicoletta is a very impressive daughter who speaks six languages. She's um, studying political science at the moment, and they have now broadened the, uh, the what they do in terms of the charity. Before the war, it was helping orphans, and women and, and children escaping domestic violence. Now it's helping orphans and children within the war, but also helping all displaced families, of which there are many. It's hard, isn't it, when we're sitting, I'm sitting in my garden room talking to you, um, to imagine what it must be like to not know whether or not that day is going to bring an air raid which will cut your life short, that will destroy your home, that will make life very different. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a situation where Irina's sister um, lives in a block of apartments. The next door block of apartments was bombed and completely disappeared. It was just liquidized. There was nothing but a small pile of rubble at the bottom. Irina couldn't get hold of her sister because one of the problems in Ukraine at the moment is that the bombing has been focusing on destroying infrastructure. So the electricity has been uh, disrupted to the point that most people are getting at most an hour a day, if that. Her sister didn't have a phone that had enough charge to phone to say that she was safe. And Irina just knew that a block of flats in her sister's area had been destroyed. And for some time, we didn't know whether or not her sister had survived or not. Thankfully, she had. Irina lives with that uncertainty all the time, and that's bad enough. 
But just imagine what it must be like being in a bomb shelter as a, a, a an orphan with no parents to comfort you, not knowing what's going to happen. And that's why we both got involved in creating a fundraiser. On the 4th of March, we had a fundraiser, but I'm recording this before the 4th of March. So we're busy creating a local fundraiser with cakes and coffee and raffles and tombolas and all of that. And mainly doing that so that you, Irina can have something physical to do, to feel that she's helping. But we're also running an online fundraiser, and that's where I'm going to ask you to help. We're going to go to a short break in a moment where I'll give you the details where you can donate to help orphans, children, women who are vulnerable and in such dire straits in Ukraine. And I ask that you give generously. I know life is very difficult for all of you. But if you can spare just a few dollars, a few pounds, every penny, every cent will make a huge difference. So please get a pen or a pencil and some paper and I will give you the address. I'll be giving this throughout the programme and throughout the adverts of the programme. So please do take it down and do take action. You can make a significant difference. The address is just giving forward slash crowdfunder forward slash mom plus me. I'll say that again. Just giving forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom, M-O-M-E, the word plus P-L-U-S and the word me, M-E. Just giving forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me. So you can help every penny, every cent of your donation will help. You can donate by going to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me. Justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom O-M-O-M plus P-L-U-S me, M-E. Justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me. Please don't go away. After the break, we have an interview with the founder of the charity Mom Plus Me and her daughter. I'll see you back in a moment. To all the Ukrainians whose lives changed overnight, to the elderly who chose to stay behind and defend their country. To all the young men and women from all over the world who volunteered to help fight. To the thousands who went from being civilians to soldiers overnight. To the Ukrainian hero who decided cutting off a bridge from enemy access was worth losing his life over. To the young couple that got married only to join the resistance the next day to all the young fathers having to say their last family goodbyes, to the leader who won the hearts of his people, his country, and the world. We stand with you. Ukrainians are fighting for their country, their freedom, and their lives. This message brought to you by the Ukrainian World Congress. Hello there, my name's Gina Gardner, and I'm the host of Gina Gardner and Friends. I know you're all incredibly busy, and I know that there's so many calls upon your purse or your wallet at the moment, but I'm here to ask for your help. Help for a charity called Mom Plus Me, that are supporting children, many of whom are orphans and disabled, and families that have been dispossessed by the war in Ukraine, which has now been going on for a year. They need your help desperately. There's no electricity, and so things are incredibly difficult. So please help by making a donation to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me. That's justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom, M-O-M plus P-L-U-S me, M-E. Thanks very much. You can make such a difference. 
You're listening to AMFM 247, the best in talk and music all day and every day. So welcome back. In this section of the show, I'd like to introduce to you Natalia and Nicoletta Sovak. They are um, so involved with the charity because Natalia is actually the founder of the charity. They're the people who are on the ground. And for the next little while, they're going to share with us about the charity, how it came about, and also what things are like now. Now, I know that listening to this show, you're probably thinking, yep, yeah, this is just another uh, another cause and my life is challenging. But I really would urge you, please listen to this. Please engage with this. The people back in Ukraine, a year on from the war starting, need your help. And the people that this charity helped, Mom Plus Me, help the most vulnerable people who are left in Ukraine. So Natalia and Nicoletta, a huge welcome. Thank you very much for joining me on the show. Thank you. Um, I must explain that Nicoletta is Natalia's daughter and she's going to be the translator uh, because mum speaks some English, but in order for there to be a flow on the show, it's Nicoletta who's going to be doing most of the speaking. So I'd like to start off by saying, what made you start this charity in the first place? And I know it's been going for 15 years, but why did you start it? Um, okay. Um, so, uh, yes, my name is Natalia Sivak. Uh, I'm from Ukraine. I'm a founder uh, of a charity foundation called Mama Plus Me. Uh, I have a very big family. Uh, I have six children. Uh, yes, Nicoletta, <laughs> one from us. <laughs> uh, and uh, all my life, I help and support children, orphans, children, and uh, foresters' families. Uh, because I feel it's necessary uh, for children in Ukraine. Our foundation, 15 uh, yeah. It's very more. We start uh, before the war in Ukraine. Uh, we help children who live in Ukraine, uh, always, because uh, often children in Ukraine uh, was very more. And today, uh, in the, during the war, uh, so children uh, start very more now. Right, because Sorry, I'm going to stop you. Say that last bit again because um, I didn't quite understand what you said. Sure. So she said that during the war, it's like so that it gets more and more orphans. More and more orphans. Okay. Yes. If before the war, uh, all orphans children, it was uh, children who uh, has um, not very good uh, parents. So children uh, taken to care because their parents were that they were being neglected or being mistreated. Yeah. Um, and yes, so but today, taken. yes, but today in the war uh, in Ukraine, uh, very more children who um, who have lost their parents. Yes, it's uh, biology uh, orphans uh, um, children. So they literally have no parents. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. It's uh, uh, when uh, war in Ukraine begin. Uh, our foundation begin help not only um, orphans children and foresters family. Uh, we help now all children who live and stay in Ukraine now. Okay. All region, all cities who stay and live in Ukraine now. Mm -hmm. So, so um, Nicoletta, can you perhaps explain to us, I'd like to go back before we, we explore how it is now. What sort yeah. of help did you provide yeah. for children before the war? Yeah, sure. Uh, I have this information and I would like to explain you it's all started uh, as i already said to my mom in 2007 the mom plus me foundation 
um, settled festival uh, itself uh, were founded. Uh, it all started with a holiday like events for children to entertain them, uh, to give them gifts, uh, to give them um, the possibility to develop this themselves. And uh, after that, uh, we have uh, helped 1,000 orphans. It was like only in 2007. And then uh, in the city of Dnipro, and then we decided to expand it, uh, our activities. We held the largest festivals in Ukraine. It was not only in Dnipro, but also in the other cities, uh, which brought together thousands of orphans, hundreds of volunteers and philanthropists, uh, and thousands of famous people and stars, stars in Ukraine. Uh, we took children on excursions around Ukraine, congratulated them on New Year and Easter holidays, helped coordinate and talented children, uh, treated them, and uh, also we decided to um, open um, happiness rooms for abandoned children uh, for that period because, uh, before they will uh, take to uh, orphanages. Right. I'm going to stop you there. You said you mm -hmm. set up happiness rooms for yep. abandoned children. Talk us through, in reality, what was going on for those children uh, yeah, sure. that they were I <clears throat> So before this like process, before these children uh, will be uh, like settled in orphanages, they need some time uh, to adjust uh, to the new like situation in them life and it was so that my mother uh saw that uh it was like just hospital with um just only beds and children had just one uh toy from their house and she decided to help them because it's like was really difficult emotionally for them because they uh, have no parents, they have no future, they have no, how to say that, uh, intentions to uh, leave life. They couldn't leave. Like, These children were taken from their parents or they were taken from hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And, yeah, and then they hospital. would... So that normally, before you got involved, they would be taken straight from hospital to an orphanage, just one yeah, sure. boy from their home and what the great home, age yeah. range were these orphans how old um it was like um uh, all ages was, was born uh and until uh 18 like 17 yes 17 eight yes okay so those children then would go into orphanages and yeah. my understanding is that quite a few of these children would be disabled too would have a disability is that right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that uh and then we decided not only to uh open um these happiness rooms but also speech therapy because the the, the children also had some problem with speech they there were speechless like Okay, so speech was delayed or that they had a, yeah, yeah, a problem yeah. with speaking. Okay. And in terms of the um what describe what the conditions are like in orphanages generally before the war. What sort of conditions would the children be going into? Um it would be very helpful for people to have an understanding mm -hmm. of what life is like for orphans. Oh, certainly mm -hmm. what it was like before the war. Uh, it's different. Uh, we have uh, uh, two directions uh, of live for children. Uh, first, uh, children live in uh, with uh, their parents. Uh, sometimes it's not very good uh, uh, live for. Uh, these children because uh, parents don't uh, help uh, her children don't uh, support uh, children and uh, so they didn't uh, behave with their children they their children yeah uh, these children live live on yeah. the street 
uh, don't eat a, loss, uh, a very long time. Um, some children, uh, we... Um, uh, some children we have found it uh, like in the on street. the street uh, on the Muslim um, I don't know how it's uh, like uh, on these areas uh, where live abandoned uh, people and the children were there also. And uh, uh, so children, uh, first time, uh, social uh, social organization, social organization um, uh, was founded uh, on the street and take in hospital. First time, uh, so children go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And our foundation, uh, when uh, so children uh, come back to hospital, uh, we uh, help some eat, kind of toys, uh, toys, uh, books, uh, and lessons for to these children. Entertain these children. Uh, yes, because these children uh, never uh, take toys, uh, never uh, reading books. It sounds to me as if the children before you're, you got involved lived a very sterile life mm -hmm. with very little in it and certainly no love. Yeah, I think first time, uh, first time when I uh, see so children, it was shock for for me and for my colleagues because these children don't speak, uh, don't uh, communication. Uh, they was very. Afraid, very afraid. Uh, they stay on the back and don't uh, don't speak uh, when uh, people uh, looks for these children. Uh, always cry because uh, it's very afraid and from uh, for us, for okay. us. Uh, and uh, today, uh, and during the warm, uh, we always help uh, uh, so children because we understand it's necessary. Uh, it's very important for these children. We're going to go to a short break now. But when, if you're li listening to this, what I'd like you to consider is you're in a war. There are bombs raining down and you're in a bomb shelter. That's terrifying as an adult. I can only imagine what it's like. Mm -hmm. yeah. The children have got their parents who are hugging them. They have that comfort of knowing that they're with their parents. But if you're listening to this, I want you to consider what it must be like to be a child, to be in an air raid shelter on your own, with no adult to support you, with nobody to love you and comfort you. And when we come back, um, after the break, we're going to look at how life is uh, in more detail. But I would urge you, whatever your situation, everything that you can give, even if it's just a little bit, can help Natalia and Nicoletta with their foundation to provide support and help and a little bit of light for those children. So please don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. When the forgotten poor are suffering and in need of healing, they wait for a ship unlike any other. Mercy Ships, the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. Heroes of mercy like these. Every human being has the right to be treated as human, to have a place at the table of the human race. If you could just see the look in that patient's eyes or the smiles that you get when lives have been changed, then it would make it all worth it. You bring hope and healing to one person, but that person belongs to a family and that family belongs to a community. Together, these heroes of mercy and friends like you bring hope and healing to those who desperately need it. Thank you. Thank you. To learn more about Heroes of Mercy, Go to mercyships.org today. Hello there. My name's Gina Gardner, and I'm the host of Gina Gardner and Friends. I know you're all incredibly busy, and I know that there's so many calls upon your purse or your wallet at the moment, but I'm here to ask for your help. Help for a charity called Mom Plus Me that are supporting 
children, many of whom are orphans and disabled, and families that have been dispossessed by the war in Ukraine, which has now been going on for a year. They need your help desperately. There's no electricity, and so things are incredibly difficult. So please help by making a donation to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me. That's justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom, M-O-M plus P-L-U-S me, M-E. Thanks very much. You can make such a difference. Welcome back. Today is a very special show. It's not my normal show where I interview people. Um, This is a show that's very personal to the people that I have on it, personal to me. Before the interview with Natalia and Nicoletta, I shared with you why I've opened my home to Irina, who is a Ukrainian refugee. The paradox, I think, is that the adults could get out to various schemes around the world. Those children who have parents could get out of war-torn Ukraine if they felt that that was right for them. But if you're an unaccompanied child, you have no chance to leave Ukraine and the war because unaccompanied children cannot leave the country. Natalia and Nicoletta are involved with a charity called Moms Plus Me. It started 15 years ago and it started to help children who were homeless and who were orphans, children who'd been abused or neglected. And they've now broadened that out to orphans and families who have been made homeless during the war. I know that life is tough for many of you, but I would really urge that you help us help them. Even a small amount of money could make a very significant amount of difference. Natalia and Nicoletta are talking to me. They are in the Ukraine. They are actually at the grassroots of things. And I would ask you to be really patient about the fact that they are speaking English. I speak one word of Ukrainian, um, and I don't do that very well. And so through Nicoletta, whose English I think is pretty good, just bear with us so you get a, a real sense of what it's like to be back in the Ukraine to be a child, to have nobody who is loving you and protecting you and be reliant upon Moms Plus Me to provide a little light in your life. So Natalia and Nicoletta, I want you to explain to me, forget the charity for a moment, but what is it like living in Ukraine under war conditions and how does that differ from prior to the war? I want people to get a sense of how, you know, one day you're doing, walking around, doing your business, everything's fine. And the next day things change and you're in a country that's at war. Nicoletta, how have things changed for you in ordinary daily life? Explain to us how your life has changed. So um, I can say like for all Ukrainians that our life was changed um, and, but however, we are still living our life like it was in the past. I mean, we try to uh, study at university to get um, our degrees. Like me, I'm a student. Uh, we are trying to help um, other people who need uh, this help more than we because uh, like people who don't have their homes or lost their families, children, parents, and so on. And uh, to that, um, we try to, to, to leave, how to say that. We try to find the sense of this life. We started to appreciate every single minute. We started to appreciate the time with our families. So we, we get these kinds of values. I understand that there's a real problem, for example, with electricity. Um, Irina, yeah. who lives with me, mm. 
sisters still live um, in your city and they live in an apartment block. So if there's no electricity, there's no sanitation, there's no water, Mm -hmm. they can't charge their phone. Mm -hmm. Difficult is it living under those conditions? Yes, of course. Uh, it's one from a uh, direction our foundation because all children and people uh, which our foundation help uh, are need uh, in special uh, gadgets for communication. So. You're providing for premature and very tiny babies um, special food and medicines, which otherwise they wouldn't get. So without your help, those babies would have far less chance of survival. It just remains for me to say to Natalia and Nicoletta, a huge thank you for being on the show. Um, We'll be back after the break. We're not finished yet, but please do dig deep. Please help the people who are so vulnerable. The war was not part of their making. And I urge you, even a little bit can make a huge difference. So please don't go away. I'll be back after the break. But thank you to Natalia and Nicoletta. Travel is part of the American way of life. When we're on vacation, we keep an eye out for anything that looks out of place. (laughs) Miss your bag. When we travel from city to city, we pay attention to our surroundings. Everyone plays a role in keeping our community safe. Whether you're traveling for business or pleasure, be aware of your surroundings. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Hi, welcome back. Before the break, you heard from Natalia and Nicoletta Sivak, who the founder and her daughter of Moms Plus Me. One of the reasons I think that this has become for me so personal is that my sister had two children, Matthew and Jamie. Matthew has sadly died now. Jamie's 46, who, when they were five and three, were diagnosed with a genetic disorder. It's very rare. At the time they were diagnosed, there were only two other children in the UK with the condition. You need two parents, both with the recessive genes, which is a 50 million to one chance that people will get together. But once they are together, the chances are one in four that their children will have this condition. They had no idea uh, until Matthew was five and Jamie was three, as I say. It's a condition where um, the person who has it, they develop normally, a little bit slowly in some uh, ways, but until about the age of seven, and then they deteriorate to the point where little if no language, uh, not mobile, not able to eat normally, they have to be fed through a peg. What I realise is that if they lived in the Ukraine, the chances are that they would have ended up in an orphanage. And we know that uh, because in Finland, when the boys were diagnosed, they had 138 cases of this particular condition, partly because the gene pool was smaller because um, Finland is so much smaller a country with a smaller population, less mobility. But most of the children who were diagnosed, usually around the age of five or six or a bit later, were put into orphanages and their average lifespan was early teens. And that's not because they weren't fed and watered, but because we need love and attention and people to care in order to thrive. And I think about my nephews, Matt was 36 when he died and Jamie is still with us at 46. And even though he is incredibly limited, he still maintains some reasonable quality of life. Why? Because he's loved, because he is attended to, because there are people there for him. While we were talking this morning, Natalia and Nicoletta shared with me how Orphans, before they started to provide um, toys and uh, activities, opportunities for education um, and um, speech therapy and so on, many of those orphans spent hours on their bed doing nothing. They didn't learn to speak properly because there was not that interaction with people. 
The work that they do is so important. It makes such a difference to the quality of the, the, the person's life. Just to know that somebody cares. Somebody has put themselves out to do something to help them. They're giving those young people who are not disabled um, an opportunity to, for greater education so that they can help themselves and then become uh, able to help society. And for those who are disabled, they're helping them fulfill their potential. And I think we underestimate what children can do, both able-bodied and those who are not. Now, I do recognise that every one of you has your own struggles. There are many of you that are fighting the tide of, of inflation, of your own health problems, of challenges that come to you on a daily basis. But what I also recognise is that by just giving a little, you can help a lot. You've heard me say on the show that, you know, if you underestimate what you difference you can make as an individual, think of a mosquito in your bedroom at night. If everybody that's listening to this show, and we regularly get a million, million and a half listeners across the month, if everybody just gave a few dollars or a few pounds, that would make a qualitative difference to so many lives an enormous number of levels. To know that people on the outside world really notice their plight, recognize that these children particularly are vulnerable and they need us to care. By just giving a little, if we all do it, then you can help a lot. I've said uh, a number of times in the show, the address to give something is justgiving.com forward slash um, crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me, M-O-M plus P-L-U-S-M-E. You can make a difference. I know that there are lots and lots of very, very important causes, and I know that you're constantly being badgered to give this and do that. But I hope that you will find it in your heart to help, to make a difference to those children and their mothers and the families who have been dispossessed of their homes, of their normal daily life, because of a war that's not of their making that you will actually have it in your hearts to help. Ultimately, all any of us can do is our best. And it's my experience from when I ran my school and from the work I've done since then, that it's the ordinary people like you and me, who when we get it into our heads that we're going to make a difference, that we do it and we do it in style. So if you're listening to this, please, can you help? And can you spread the word to other people that you know and ask them to help? The more people who help, the more we can make a difference to those lives. And we can build lives that have a future where children who have been orphaned because either they have no parents or because their parents were neglecting them or not able to look after them. And for those families who've lost everything, that we can make a huge difference. Please give, give generously. Justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me. I'd love to hear what you think. I'd love to hear your story and know whether or not you think that your story would be a good fit for the show. Ultimately, this show is all about making a positive difference. And I hope that week by week that my guests and I give you a little inspiration, motivation, some ideas of how you can improve your life or your business. And here's your opportunity to do something to give to other people, for you to make your mark, to make a difference. Thanks so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you in, the, in uh, on the next show. You know, I don't ask very often and I promise I won't badger you, but on this occasion, if you can give, please give generously and ask other people too. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you in the next show.
Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-u.com.